Welcome to the Celtic Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. In this episode, we discuss homelessness with special guest Dan Seberg, the CEO of The Rescue Mission. How do we answer the question of addressing the topic of homelessness and caring for the people who find themselves in that situation? Let's get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon, and we have a Dan with us, but he's a different Dan, and some might say a better Dan, but <laughs> we will leave that up to you. We are joined by Dan Seberg, and uh, the CEO of the Rescue Mission, and he's here to talk about uh, the topic of homelessness and, and kind of how we can address that as Christians, as uh, gospel-centered folks, and then he's going to do some rapid-fire personal preferences at the end. We're going to talk all about what kind of food he likes, what kind of places he wants to go, and what kind of maybe entertainment he likes. So uh, everything you cool. want to know about Dan Seberg, that's what we're going to talk about. So welcome, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, uh, you are the subject matter expert that we know, right? Normally, you're the very first, very first guest we've ever had on hmm. Salted Podcast. Oh, neat. Yes. Wow. That's, uh, and, and luckily, Dan's out of town. Yes, so. right. <laughs> yes exactly. <laughs> so um, so if there were three of us here, we might be talking for two hours, but I know we're, 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 gonna, we're not going to do that. But... Um, Thanks for being here. Thanks for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Sure. Um, and we're talking about, again, the, the, the idea of homelessness. And so what we'll do is we'll kind of um, we'll kind of give a little maybe some context for the listener and say, because, you know, there is probably most people's perception of homelessness is probably shaped a lot by obviously the the corporate media pr cycles, right? Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the CNNs and the Fox Newses, and mm -hmm. um, even if you're on Twitter and some, it's a kind of a big topic mm -hmm. around the world, uh, around the United States. And a lot of people probably are shaped by um, what they see maybe on the, the West coast and what's going sure. on in different places. But, um, and every single one of us, I'm sure we've ever, you know, if you're in Syracuse, you drive to a couple of intersections yeah. and you see some people on the side of the road and yeah. they got right a there. sign. Yep. They're right there. And homelessness is kind of, <laughs> um, it's in your face all the time. And so it's, it's, it's a, impossible to ignore it and so we thought let's talk about it because it's a big issue and we want to think about how we can make a difference um and your the rescue mission we're i mean we're proud to be a, a partner with you and we we laud what you're doing at the rescue mission every day at north central saying these are people the subject matter experts they're making a difference uh and we love supporting you and um we're, we're just glad that you're here awesome yeah you know we again i appreciate uh, north central's involvement we have many churches that all support the work of the rescue mission um, week in and week out and again you know as churches support us some of its time treasure and talent just like we asked from everybody you know how, how can you support the mission how can you support your church body um, and north central has definitely been a, a great um, partner with the rescue mission helping us to do the you know truly life-saving work we do every day um, and it's nice to um, know that there's a, a church community and uh, pastoral team and leadership team that uh, genuinely wants to dig in more and learn more and um, find w what's the best way to support, you know, a parachurch organization like right. the Rescue Mission so mm -hmm. that, you know, we don't, um, we, we've, we're advanced enough where we don't need um, every church going out trying to pull homeless people off right. the street corners. <laughs> right. you know, yep. if, if we did that, your your ROI goes way down and <laughs> right. it might not be very effective. So yep. I appreciate all the churches that do support the work of the mission. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the things um, when I first kind of got connected with the Rescue Mission was um, when you start digging into it, you start realizing this is a, you know, this is a very large issue to handle right mm -hmm. it's not just like you said it's not churches grabbing people and giving them a place to live and uh for a couple of days or it's a it's a big thing it's a, and it's a it's a from start to finish helping someone go from solving the immediate needs of homelessness and mm -hmm. food and meals all the way to you know changing their lives and trying to transform their lives so that you know you break that cycle in their life that's a that's a big thing and it takes a lot of professional people doing things really professionally mm -hmm. uh and, and intentionally to make that happen that's something that i found the rescue mission be something that's really um impressive um because lots of people probably just think oh they just they feed people and they they, right. they and they um you know give people a place to say but yeah. it's a it's a legitimate like social entrepreneurship venture right that's a model for kind of the, the way things get done yeah so. we want to end homelessness for that individual and every individual uh you know i'm asked often well what happens if the rescue mission really was able to end homelessness you know wouldn't you be out of a job and i default back to well the mission just turned 100, 135 years old so we right. haven't figured it out yet <laughs> 
And, um, you know, look back 135 years, you've had every number of uh, Democrat to Republican president. Homelessness goes up, down, but not by much. It dips sure. here and there. Um, different initiatives put a dent in it, but then four, eight years later, a, a different uh, focus of attention and resources, the numbers spike back up. So, um, you know, I think that a mission like ours um, and homeless service providers are the great safety net for a community. Sure, yeah. And that's where you catch people. So they, um, well, you know, at the end of the day, and if you're homeless in Syracuse, New York, it's life or death in the winter. So, sure, yeah. you know, that's, that's really what we're doing is keeping people alive and trying to stabilize them. And then um, as we, you know, work with an individual, we, we come alongside them to figure out what their assets are, their strengths, um, how do we wrap supports around them to get to their highest level of independence. Um, but I don't see the need for that going away anytime soon, right. unfortunately. And a lot of times it's directly tied to mental health, which is tied to um, drug use and abuse and right. um, self-medication. Mm -hmm. So there's, you're right. It's like a huge problem. And a lot of times churches and or, you know, do-gooders um, have all the best intentions in the world. And sometimes they're just kind of mucking up the process of sure, us right. really working with an individual and getting them back on their feet. So there's one guy I used to know, he was very critical of churches. Um, years ago, he would say to me, you know, so, all right, so how many homeless people are in the United States on any given night? And roughly the ballpark number is about 600,000, maybe, mm. maybe a little less, maybe a little more, sure. but around 600,000 people are homeless every night. And then he'd look at me and say, well, I know there's about 300,000 churches in the United States and they're all empty tonight. So couldn't every church just take in two people and then sure. homelessness ends? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I, I would love the, the numbers of it. Yeah. Right. The numbers of it makes sense. But the actual life change and wrapping around the supports that that person needs, you know, getting somebody off the street um, and with a shelter for the night is not ending homelessness. Right. It's, yep. it's getting somebody out from the cold. Right. So. Yeah. That whole thing works until Saturday night comes along. You're like, ah, we all got to get out because right. we got service in the morning, right? <laughs> so. That's right. Nobody's yeah. here to watch you guys on Tuesday. Yeah, so exactly. Come back Wednesday. Yep, yep. yep. But yeah, I think that, and I think that's, so uh, tell us a little bit about kind of the scope of the service. Tell us, first of all, I'd love to know, you know, how you ended up in this role. You're, uh -huh. I mean, you're the CEO and yeah. kind of your journey here. And then a little bit about the rescue mission and the scope and everything that it does so we can see kind of people can understand really what it is. Yeah. Well, it's good that Dan's not here because I don't know if what I share is theologically sound and I'm sure Dan could correct me on it. <laughs> Welcome um, to my world. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to believe um, in divine intervention, but then um, I would poke holes in it and I would, you know, at the end of the day I got down to, well, how come God doesn't intervene in like really awesome, you know, stuff or like starving kids or whatever. And you're intervening in my life, right. you know, and, and now you've laid out this really cool um, path for me. Sure. And so then I kind of boiled it down to believe in divine strategy. Hmm. So sometimes I think um, when we're really in tune with the spirit and maybe God's path for your life or my life. Um, if we get on it and we start going the right direction, other things fall into place and it, it just, you know, kind of works a little bit more seamlessly. Sure. And then we get off that divine strategy and start making our own decisions. Maybe things get a right. more hectic. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so I believe in this divine strategy and really when I, uh, finished my bachelor's in human services back in 99, my thought was, um, I only want to work in jobs that help people. And, um, you know, I don't want to make anybody any money. Hmm. You know, I was kind of like, damn the man. Yeah, sure. I, I listened to way too much Rage Against the Machine yeah, back right, then. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so that's what got me into the not-for-profit world. And, you know, so since my entire professional career has been in not-for-profits, mm -hmm. um, several different ones locally. Um, and then uh, prior to, so I joined the mission 15 years ago. But prior to that, there was a two-and-a-half-year stint where, um, a friend of mine, we were going to a local church and a friend of mine was leaving to go plant a church in Maryland. I grew up in Baltimore. So he was like, you know, you and your wife should come and help us plant this church. Okay. And we just didn't, you know, it wasn't in our cards. And uh, we were like, oh, no, it's not going to, it doesn't make sense. He said, right. all right, well, when I leave, maybe, maybe you would take over my, you know, associate pastor role mm. in the church. Okay. And I was like, well, I, you know, I went to SUNY Cortland right. and I didn't, you know, <laughs> I'm not a theology major. And um, this church's philosophy is a little different, and they kind of worked with leadership abilities. So for two and a half years, I uh, still worked in a not 
prophet, but it was in a church. Okay. Um, so I worked in a local church for two and a half years as a staff pastor um, and, uh, you know, worked with young people, worked with uh, new church members. And then um, I'll never forget, I took a, a missions trip to the Dominican with a bunch of teenagers. And really that trip is what kind of opened my eye, mm. eye to homelessness. And it was really homelessness in the Dominican. But um, when I came back, I had a real fire inside to really see how we could be involved with the homeless, how we could, you know, minister to them, you know, and their sure. needs, minister just like their basic needs. And I, I kid you not, within um, six months of coming back from that uh, missions trip, uh, the mission reached out to me and said, you know, we got a position oh, for wow. you. So I wasn't looking, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the, the former director of the mission, um, he was a, a member of that church as well. And, um, you know, somehow we, we crossed paths and it, it made sense or, again, maybe divine strategy. Sure. So yeah, yeah. so I, I left and I've been at the mission for the last 15 years. Um, somebody, after I left the church life, um, a former congregant said to me, so what's it like being out of ministry now? Right, right. Like, <laughs> I think I'm about, all yeah. the way in yeah, it, right. but um, I guess we define <laughs> right. it differently. Yeah, so, yeah. so our, you know, at the mission, we put love into action through um, food, shelter, clothing, and hope. And um, we do it 365 days a year. We never, never close because somebody's always in need. And um, it's been a, you know, it's been a wild ride. Sure. Wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was the first time I kind of got exposed to the scope of what the rescue mission does is when I was teaching at mm. the MBA program and mm -hmm. Alan, who was the, the other, the former CEO yeah. was in my class. Mm -hmm. And we had a group of students who came for a five day intensive on leadership. Uh -huh. And we took them around the city to different places. And we took them to the rescue missions, mm. one of the places like a, a nonprofit leadership. And they were all blown away because they spent like an hour or two in the warehouse. Oh, and, yeah. and, and they're talking about like, this is a legitimate, you know, you're trading a commodity essentially right. <laughs> in terms of like fabric prices and totally. fabric and all this stuff and yeah. and all the funding and all the the store retail stores you're running and then you yeah. add on top of that the like the medical help you're providing people and then obviously there's the there's levels of addiction care sure. and then all the complexities sure. of it and, we, and everyone there was was blown away by like holy cow this is like yeah. this is like all the MBA students like this is next level stuff so right. um, so I, I was impressed, but I'm also more impressed because of people like you and, and knowing you and the leadership team and the heart of the, that you guys have for the, the people. And, and we were, we were, we were talking about this podcast and just sitting around in coffee, right? And you yeah. someone came up and they're like, Hey man, you got, got any money? And you're yeah. like, you're like, Hey man, the, the, the mission will take your van up to the VA <laughs> right. if you need it. Right. So, right, right, right. um, yeah, but, um, I'm continually impressed by it and I'm proud to call you guys a partner, but w what's the, you know, when you think of, um, you know, you mentioned homelessness is always there, right? Mm -hmm. It seems like it's always there. And Jesus said the poor will always be among you. Right. Sure. Um, but when you look at the people that you're serving, what are some of the big causes for why they're there? Why mm -hmm. do people end up in a situation, uh, like that where yeah. they need, um, that level of help and care? Yeah. I think it's changed, uh, in the last 15 years, I would say, for sure, in the last five years, the um, severity of individuals' mental health has like increased dramatically. Mm. So, for for sure, there's drug addiction, alcohol abuse. Um, you know, I've I've seen gambling addiction. I've seen it all, uh, but the mental health tied to all of it is you know gone up significantly, um, to the point where it's you know if somebody's coming in and. They hit tough times, but they've got some skills and they've got, you know, a, a little bit of resume. You know, we in the past, we would help put together a resume, help get them back on their feet. Right. You know, uh, gainful employment was like a next step right. and then housing. And, you know, you got back on your feet and you, you wouldn't see that individual again. And again, tough times hit everybody. M more so today, we're seeing severe mental health issues where. We're looking at the individual that we are trying to assess if they're going to ever be able to work. Mm, you know, so right. we're not even talking about gainful employment. We're talking about, you know, do you have a documented disability mm. that we could tap into some resources? Okay. Do you think you could work maybe 20 hours a week? Um, and then at that very low level of income and pay, what kind of housing are you able to afford? Sure. Because, you know, again, this is, you know, the United States housing is not a right. It's you have the opportunity to right. um, you know make some money and live wherever you want but some of it's kind of contingent on your skill level your abilities and the amount of dollars that you sure. can kind of put together so yeah. um, you know I get to see I've seen a, a bit of a change 
in the um, the homeless population okay. locally, and I think it mirrors the rest of the country, especially when I look at, um, you know, like Seattle and San Francisco and D.C. and L.A. Um, and I've been I've been on Skid Row, and I've seen mm. there's two missions right on Skid okay, Row, two right. different <laughs> missions, and they kind of operate differently. Oh, okay. Um, and neither one of them's doing you know a great job <laughs> right. at you know at really turning individuals' lives around because of the severity of the mental health mm. issues. And you know, so if you look at just mental health in itself, the the great there's a a large number of people that need therapy and counseling. Sure. You know, whether it's uh, from a psychologist or a, a clinical social worker or whatever, and the lack of available social workers or therapists right now, um, it's it's high. Like there's a huge gap in availability of services. Mm. So you take that and compound it by homelessness. We're not even talking, homeless people aren't getting the therapy. Sure, right. So there's already, um, you know, a gap for people in need. And then you look at people in the most need and the therapists are probably looking at those situations like, well, where do I even begin? Sure, yeah, yeah. This guy that's, um, you know, I can charge whatever, um, you know, 200 bucks an hour, or I got the, you know, Medicaid, you know, yeah recipient yeah. that maybe I'll, I'll get reimbursed at $80 an hour. This person's working with me, this person, you know, who knows right. they're, they're homeless and, and are they even stable enough to engage with therapy? Sure. So, so there's huge gaps in mental health services in our community and um, the homeless are, are really suffering. Sure. And that's a, I mean, and how do you even begin to address that? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, what, what's your, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, prayer. what do you do? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then after prayer. <laughs> and then after the six days, six days of prayer, we say, what are we going to do today? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, you know, what it's forcing me to do um, is look at our organization and try to um, decide in the next five to 10 years, how do we put a dent in the problem? Mm. So, you know, I'm, I've started to look at, um, you know, how do we develop into being more of a a healthcare systems model where maybe we create and provide that type of uh, mental health counseling and therapy in-house. Maybe, you know, because we can fundraise, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that $95 an hour billable amount of therapy Mm can go a little bit further because we're fundraising the other amount to pay for the the good therapist. And then maybe we have to create the pipeline of, you know, young people that are getting into this kind of work Mm -hmm. because they want to help. Sure. Um, You know, if you're, if you're getting into, um, you know, counseling and therapy to make a bunch of money, you probably won't be working at the mission. Right, right. <laughs> but if, you know, you're driven by compassion or, you know, that's just yep. on your heartstrings, well, let's create a, a real clear path that you you come out of school and you're coming right to the mission yep. because you want to make a, you know, impact in our community. Yeah. Yep. Go harken back to the early days of Dan, where you're like, I want to, I don't want to make any money. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. I just wish I was smarter. Yeah. I could have set it up a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I mean, uh, um, and that's obviously, I mean, you, you're you're navigating the long term mental health and also the immediate, right? The immediate mm-hmm. of we're trying to feed people a meal because they need to eat today, and you know it's Syracuse, so it's negative twenty or negative thirty right. degrees, and people are going to literally die right. if they're outside. Um, so when you think of you know when people when you th- the most people you interact with, what do they think of when they think of the rescue mission? Like what like mm. what what do you interact with in terms? They think well, you're doing this, yeah, and um and and how aware are they of kind of the whole scope of what's going on? Oh, probably not very. You know, not very aware. I think people know that there are safety nets in our community. You really touch it when it's it, it hits your family. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. I've had um family members drop their children off at the mission. You know, 18, 19, 20 mm. some year old children just because there's nothing more that they could do for right. them. You know, they burned every bridge and now they're dropping them off at the mm. mission. Um, it's tough. And again, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm in the human service bubble, so I kind of see it and I've got my finger on the pulse, but most people are, you know, just trying to get by and, you yeah. know, they want to help the homeless in some sure. way, perhaps at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Right. Right. Um, but until it really impacts your family or, you know, you see some, drug addiction or abuse or mental health issues and um you know and and maybe you you run out of resources that's when kind of the mission comes into your your scope and purview because but because now it's it's has the ability to help someone that you're closer to yeah now you mentioned skid row and i think Mm -hmm. probably most people 
they hear all about California, right? They hear all about, you know, San Francisco's got, you know, a little poop app yeah. where you can see where there's human feces, yeah. right? Right. And it's like, and it seems like the problem in California is significantly worse only probably because of the weather, right? Everyone goes mm-hmm. there and there's some sanctuary. There's, there's, sure. you can, you can camp on the street. Those laws don't exist. And, but, um, but the more you get dig in with it, you realize there are different approaches to, mm-hmm. to trying to tackle the homelessness or the people, houselessness, right? Yeah. Um, what are the different perspectives and, and different approaches just mm-hmm. so we can build some context for the listener and then what is the you know how does the rescue mission kind of fit into that the specific approach uh, when you look at the whole scope of things just sure yeah Yeah. so um, housing and urban development which is a federally funded um, arm of the you know government um, it typically you know does a lot of research and gives out a lot of information on homelessness in our community and then um does give out a significant amount of money to every community to combat homelessness. And so again, what I've seen over the years is different administrations um, count homelessness different, changes the definition of homelessness. Um, But for the most part, I haven't seen significant changes um, from a national level. Mm -hmm. And and the numbers of homelessness hasn't dramatically gone down in all their efforts. So we take all this money, taxpayer dollars, and we give it out to the communities and the hope is that it helps to end homelessness in that community. And the, I like in in concept, I like the idea that they give the, the money to the um, local community because sure. our response to homelessness should probably be different than, you know, L.A. or sure, Seattle yeah, yeah. or whatever. But um, what what they do is they kind of or in the past, they've said. Um, we believe, you know, after looking at all the research, the way to end homelessness is through housing. Housing ends homelessness, mm. right? And it, in theory, it makes sense. Yes, housing does end homelessness, but how do you get there? And so, wh- and and what's the, I'll say the, the best ROI or cheapest way to get there? <laughs> so the idea was, you know, give out um, housing vouchers. Mm-hmm. So you you've got a homeless individual. We're gonna, you know, give this money out to the community. Community agency will then. Take that dollar amount and you know spend it on um, a housing voucher or pay the rent for a homeless yeah. person that's in difficult times. So we've Good. been doing that for years, and years and years go by, and you know you still see some recidivism. Maybe some people stabilize, but for the most part, you're placing somebody into an apartment complex, mm. and um, maybe they've got the same mental health issues, the same drug right. addiction issues. Maybe we've referred them out for um, some. Uh, inpatient or outpatient but at the end of the day they're in an apartment and maybe we'll check on them each week sure we go by each week knock on the door they're not there or we'll come by next week you know two months goes by and you haven't seen them and then you know what we've seen in syracuse specifically is you know there's been uh you know google syracuse.com and our housing issues but (laughs) there's a few specific housing programs and um that you know people have had terrible living situations um that one older woman, she um, was murdered there. And, you know, so then you start to look at that um, strategy mm-hmm. and you say, OK, so where's the wraparound supportive services that not only protect that individual that you place there, but all the other residents that are living sure. there that aren't homeless or, yeah, you yeah. know, that they didn't necessarily sign up for that. Right. Um, and so I think it kind of falls apart pretty quickly and it doesn't have good um there are some positives to it. There's mm-hmm. nothing n- all negative, but I believe that um, housing, the right kind of housing ends homelessness. Mm-hmm. And I do think you can voucher, you know, some people into apartments and they'll be okay and they'll get back on their feet. But these individuals with the severe mental health issues, uh, they need purpose built housing mm-hmm. that is, um, you know, I, I was just speaking at a class up at SU and one of the, um, Students asked me, what's the best type of housing that you guys could build for the homeless? I said, that's super easy. When you walk out of this building, look all over Syracuse campus. I need college housing. Sure. Because you've got dorms that have a resident advisor on each floor helping individuals with their mental health issues, whether you're in college or in homelessness. Um, you know, you got a dining hall, shared bathroom facility, somebody's coming through to clean it and it's congregate living, but you know, they charge 25 grand sure, a year, right. you exactly. know, and that's only for like nine months. Yeah, so yeah. if you give me 25 grand per individual for yeah. nine months, we can probably end homelessness, yeah. <laughs> but we don't do it that way. We, you know, we, it's a small amount of money. You got to stretch it. And that's why we end up vouchering people into really bad housing environments. Mm, yeah. 
Um, again, I'm sure it works, but we need all kinds of housing. There was a big push of uh, about tiny tiny homes for sure, a while. Yeah. The, recently, I think the one at Arnold Schwarzenegger just donated. Yeah, which they, is one of, like, they burnt like a – it was a massive fire that burned right. like a dozen yeah. of them. But it was, okay, yeah. so <laughs> that doesn't always work. And no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. – yeah, it was just – they didn't – they just it was like some freak accident. But right, it was like, yeah. I got you. Yeah. So and yeah. tiny homes are a cool idea, yeah. but the housing – crisis i mean it is a crisis yeah. we probably need nationwide for super low income housing individuals we probably need seven million units right so <laughs> you're not going to build tiny homes that fast right. you know you need some really large-scale projects you need the the real estate to do it you need um, a developer who says yeah, I don't want to make any money on this development right, yeah, project. Yeah. Um, let me do this. <laughs> I do all my time and energy on this. Right, and then, yeah. right. Especially when housing right. markets, they, they, they right. cost twice as much as it did a year ago, and right. they can make so much money doing other things. Right. But yeah. yeah, I thought about convincing a, a local developer. I was going to say, so I need you to build me you know, a college dorm, but just for the homeless, and you're probably going to lose money on the deal. Right. And he's going to look at me and say, why don't I just go build it for SU? Right, and yeah. Because they need it too. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what they're doing now, all around. Totally. All around Syracuse. I mean, totally. I am amazed that there is some that there's enough demand for all right. these ridiculously expensive luxury condo living. Right. But when you think of, you know, it's everyone's in Syracuse. They're like, well, it, can you build that stuff here? It's like, well, they're doing it. Right. It's just like they're just yeah. not doing it for right. obviously for, the, for the, that population. That population yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and that's uh, and you know the other, you know, when I talk to individuals about the kind of housing we need to build for people, it really like. If you're homeless and you've experienced that trauma and you're you're trying to get back on your feet, let's not put you in the hands of a slumlord yeah, in just a totally, horrible yeah. environment. Sure. You know, maybe the Christian perspective would be, yeah, let's give them better than right. what the college kids get. Yeah. You know, let's give them something amazing to live in that really gives them a, a sense of worth and value. And but we we're just not there yet. Yep. And so I think. I'm hopeful because more people are talking about housing now than ever before. I think, again, this is another one of those pieces where the not-for-profits like us, mm -hmm. which we're looking at in our 10-year plan, is how do we become housing developers? Because right. we don't need to make money off of it. We would love to break even. We can tap into some grant dollars from New York State to build it. But how do we start to um, you know, take over the properties, rehab them, make them really nice, have our staffing in there, maybe with our mental health mm -hmm. counselors or therapists, and um, you know, make a, a really nice living environment for people who have experienced some of the worst stories I've ever heard. Sure, you yeah. Know? yeah. They're just trying to get back on their feet. Yeah. So when you, when you think of the stuff you're trying to do as a rescue mission, um, what are some challenges you face in the context of doing that within a city with like elected representatives who might have a different opinion and being a, you know, a explicitly Christian non-for-profit, mm -hmm. right? How do you, how does that, how does it feel working within it, within the context of some political, um, you know, frameworks that people that shape the way people and, and you know, have policies and delegate money. But, um, yeah. and the reason I'm asking, I think Alan to, like, told me that, there was a kind of an, an issue about building a new mm -hmm. building, some of the big mm -hmm. things you were doing because yeah. of this idea of like a concentration of poverty yeah. and how that, you know, that's going to perpetuate poverty. And, and, but I'm mm -hmm. curious, like how does yeah. your, how does that, how's it working in the context of a, of the, of a political framework in a city that has other as its own objectives and goals as well? Yeah, that's uh, so, and I've heard the same thing about the concentration of poverty. Unfortunately, the poverty is already there and it's already concentrated. Right. It's just in a shelter. Right. So I'd like to en end the shelter and really put in housing in place. And then once you get somebody housed, you know, they're not necessarily impoverished anymore. Maybe they're taking their sure. steps out of poverty. Uh, but let's let's not make, sh you know, make it so that they have to make a certain amount of money so they can just stay living downtown right. either. Um, you know, politically. I've worked with a lot of politicians and some are more geared towards homelessness. I, everyone's been compassionate about it. Uh, but, you know, like everything, people have different ideas on the why and how to get out of it. And, um, you know, so I've been at the mission 15 years. And if I'm here another 15 years, I'm going to work with one, two, three, four different mayors, maybe sure, yeah. two different county execs, different political parties. And so I need to um, tell the same story in a different, um, you know, the way they need to hear it best sure. mm -hmm. that that speaks to what they're trying to accomplish. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, homelessness is bad for everyone. 
um, the individual specifically the most, and then politicians and neighbors. Nobody homelessness doesn't help anyone. Sure. So let's try to um, equip the experts, like the mission, to um, really be able to you know put into place uh, programs and housing and um, processes that get people out of homelessness as quickly as possible. So I think we've got good, um, we've got compassionate elected officials. Um, I, I haven't heard any national or local leaders run on a, a homelessness oh, sure. platform. No one, yeah, you right. And yeah. you know, that makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, how many homeless people are, you know, are, are you counting on at the voting booth? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So they're like, <laughs> Homeless people and kids, they're like a constituent that right, doesn't yeah, exactly. really help pay the political bills. That's right. But, but they are for sure um, in need, and we have to look at them as the most vulnerable population that needs our help. Sure. Um, well, how do you, I mean, some of the, probably some of the response you get, I mean, we're, we're Americans, we're all very individualistic, you mm-hmm. know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and yep. carry on personal responsibility is kind of a big mantra. How do you, I mean, how much um, pushback or feedback do you get that says, well, the solution is just to help these people become personally responsible to yeah. get their, get their craps together and then, and then carry yeah. on with a, a, a contributing life to society. Right? Yeah. I, I, well, you know, I think, um, you know, there's the one, uh, the one slogan of, um, you know, a hand up, not a hand handout. And I always think, well, some people need handouts. Right. Too. Sure. <laughs> and I teach, I'd rather teach somebody how to fish, you know, than rather give them a fish. I'm like, well, if he's starving, just give him a fish for now. Right, sure. And like, yeah. <laughs> there's a process, you yeah. know, you don't have to just say, you know, start fishing. Um, you know, my best, my best analogy for homelessness, and it, I think it helps people understand um, the situation on a different level is, and I, I enjoy playing poker just for fun, you know? Um, but you know, for year, years ago, uh, Texas, no limit hold'em was like the most popular game. Oh my gosh. Moneymaker was took (laughs) over, (laughs) took over. And then like one of the best movies is rounders. I love uh, rounders, Matt Damon, um, Ed Norton. So I watch it. Right. And, um, in poker, you know, you've got these five cards that are the community cards everybody gets to use, and you get two cards dealt to you. Yep. And those two cards, you get to take yours and make the best five five card hand you can make. Yep. And that's what everybody else is doing. There's a series of betting, and you know, the dollars, you know, dollars go up, and people lose their fortune on yeah, like one yeah. hand. We, we've heard <laughs> the horror stories. Yep. But the reality is, it's kind of like homelessness because, unfortunately. Many of the individuals that come to the mission, on their two cards they get dealt, they get a two-seven offsuit. Yeah, which is the worst, worst. statistical hand in, in you that game. You don't want that. Yeah, yeah. And and most of the time, if you get a two-seven offsuit, most logical humans fold. Yeah, like you've got resources, people play. have taught yep. you how to play. Yep. You fold on two. It's not. There's no sense in trying to bluff your way out of it. You're right. not going to win the hand. Our clients, they keep betting. Yeah, they take uh-huh. that two-seven and they see something that we don't see, and they're like. I'm going to raise. Right. And it's like we all see the train wreck happening. Sure. And they just keep doubling down, mm. doubling down until they totally bust. Right. And when you come to the mission, you show us that 2 7 offsuit, and we're like, oh, well, you yeah. should have folded a long time right. ago. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your right. life, yeah. but. The bad beat story, right? Everyone's got a bad beat it's story. It's a bad somehow. beat yeah. forever, yeah. right? Yeah. And, uh, and so then what we do is we try to help our clients fold on that two seven mm. say let's see let's get a new hand let's see what you know let's try to work with something mm. else let's slowly you know put your life back in order and and then i also shared um with people in the same context you know think about your life what were you dealt yeah did you get two aces right away because that's there's a percentage of the population that you know yeah, you got two aces, and you were able to work out a good hand of cards. Yep. You still had to work for it. You still yep. had to make good decisions, but you had a better start than the two seven people. Yeah, and a lot of our clients are the, are the two seven offsuit. Yeah, so um, I, I I share that with a lot of individuals, and they kind of get it. Like, yeah, life is as fair as a, a hand of poker can be, but I still maybe got better cards than they got. Yep. I mean, Dan and I did a podcast on fatherlessness, and mm. even the idea of mm-hmm. growing up with a father in your home yeah. statistically is like 
Yeah. It's like having pocket kings and pocket queens. Right, right. right. It's a pretty, uh, it's it's like being dealt something that's pretty incredible. So all these yeah. different things, it is pretty humbling when you think about it, right? Yeah. You think of when you ask people to say, hey, yeah, what were you dealt? Right. It, you realize, oh, I didn't have any personal responsibility right. in choosing my parents or where they lived or who they were. Or like you said, there's a bit of a, there's obviously a divine strategy yeah. of things that are completely out of our control. So, yeah. um, so that's good. I like that. I'm gonna use that analogy. Yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah. And then they say, "Wait, you play poker, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Just for chips." Yeah, yeah, I swear. Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just yeah. me and my kid. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think probably one of the things we do is like so. I mean, there's theology laced through all this, right? Mm-hmm. And why we why we do what we do, right? There is a obviously a level of compassion and caring for <clears throat> um, people who not many people care about, right? Yeah. Obviously, Jesus flipped the paradigm, the power paradigm, and he was hanging out with the with the people on the margins, the people yeah. who were not, you know, had no business people caring about them, right? Um, so as Christians, as people who are gospel-centered, people who want to live out that uh, conviction in our lives, what are some things that, that we can do? Um, I know I know a couple of them, but mm-hmm. what are some things that we can do to say we can make a dent in this or contribute to mm-hmm. um, kind of, making a difference even in our own we have i mean we have a global audience no yeah. big deal but <laughs> we don't know how many of those are bots but uh but uh even even you know globally how do people right. whatever in their local community right and like you said yeah. probably addressing it from a local perspective as opposed yeah. to 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 worrying about what's going on in california and the poop on the streets we yeah. should be, how, who are the people in our own community what, what can we do yeah i think you know one it's just seeing seeing the individuals uh you know not just passing people by and you know saying hello and taking a look at um the the people that are on the corners or the people that are looking really rough out on the street and just recognizing them and you know prayer does not hurt you know saying a prayer for people is a it's a good spiritual practice for you as the individual Mm -hmm. because um is your prayer right then and there going to change their situation? Probably not, but it might change your heart. It might change your perspective on um, what they're going through. It might soften you up, and that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, I do think that homelessness and um, homeless services become um, more specialized and professional. Sure. Yeah. And I do, uh, you know, I appreciate the individuals that are, um, like I said, do-gooders trying to help, but perhaps the better way to do it is figure out the organization that you line up with mm-hmm. and see how you can help them, whether it's, again, time, treasure, talent. You know, can you um, volunteer time to help, you know, their situation? Right. Um, do, you know, do you have dollars that you were considering uh, handing cash to that person on the street corner? Yeah. The better ROI is to give it to the organization or agency that's working with that, mm-hmm. that person. Um, and, you know, also just, I think being an advocate for, um, you know, the marginalized people of society. Uh, Matthew 25, when it talks, you know, Jesus talking about the sheep and the goats and, you know, everybody focuses on the end of that and like the, you know, the hellfire and brimstone part. (laughs) But it's such a basic message of, you know, this is when you did this for the homeless, that's what you were doing for God. And what you didn't do for the homeless, you know, you didn't do for me. And that's powerful to me. I think that's what's always really um, spoke to my heart. And and it always reframes the the sense of urgency of what we do at the Rescue Mission. Mm. Like when somebody comes in for a meal or for shelter, you know, that that's like God, God's coming in and how are we going to treat them? And, And then it's, you know, we're always coaching staffing because not not all of our staff are coming from that, you know, biblical perspective yeah. on things. Yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to lead that way to understand the, the humanity in everyone. Right. And really, you know, the, 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 this individual is created in you know, God's image. And so how right. do we really value them knowing that, you know. Maybe maybe sure, somebody's right. pooping on the corner. Yeah, now exactly, we gotta clean yeah. it up. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't expect that, God. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah exactly. All right. But well, that's exactly. Yeah. Why is God pooping on the corner? Yeah, I know. Why? Yeah. 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 The bathrooms are working. Exactly. But yeah. but, I mean, but even for the people who work there, it's a grind, right? It's I mean, a it's, grind. it's. I mean, there are people who go in there. I think I had a, a friend of mine who who 
wanted to work at the rescue mission, mm-hmm. got the job there, uh-huh. worked in the in the the shelter. And yeah. Like after a couple months, is like, yeah, nah, I can't do it. Like no, admin- yeah. this is the first time you administer some Narcan to someone who's dying in the bathroom For on the real? sidewalk, right? You're like that's a that's yeah. a. I mean, that's a bit of a traumatic an event For in and sure. of itself, right there. So yeah. the, the people who are working there, it's not like it's hard work. Yeah, I got I've got the most compassionate individuals in Central New York working at the mission, and I've um, seen staff literally save humans lives yeah. because of um you know a decision they made to take a specific or non-specific drug and then i've got these staff that are just trying to keep them alive till the ambulance gets mm. there it's like we are the we're we're pre-first responders sure, we yeah. are like right. putting it you know doing whatever we can till the ambulance can get there and the, i think that just speaks to the the, the sadness and depression and depravity that so many people are experiencing. And, you know, when you are homeless and in a homeless shelter, you've hit rock bottom and you are wa- waking up every day, you know, what do I got to live for? Right. You yeah. know, and I think that's, that's how the drugs plays into so much yeah. of it. It helps to you know, medicate through the moment, yeah. but it's tough. It's tough work, tough. Um, you know, again, super compassionate people that work at the mission. Yeah. So, um, we at Salt like I said, we're North Central Church. We 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 support you guys mm-hmm. financially. We love promoting you and advocating for you. So I mean, anyone who's out there listening, mm-hmm. um, don't like our podcast. Mm-hmm. Go to uh, rescuemissionalliance.org, dot org, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. And uh, go check out. I mean, give some money. Yeah. Um, figure out a way to to you know obviously pray for the the team and the people who are working there. Please, um, yeah. because that's obviously a huge component that. Uh, and then you know tied into that, I mean, you there is also a spiritual component where you have chaplains and you're trying to get some more chaplains on board yeah. to say, how do you, you know, shepherd the spiritual lives of these guys is, right. um, and, and I appreciate your approach because some people it's everything, it's very transactional, right? Yeah. Organization it's you have to, you got to hear me preach to you and then you can get a meal. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. um, and that's not exactly how the gospel works where it's not transactional in that manner. Right. There's, right. you know, Jesus shows up and he gives us, he dies for us and we give no, he got nothing, gets nothing in return from us. Right. And that's probably yeah. what it's like, yeah. um, loving this group of people. There's not a lot of, not a lot of, return on investment in yeah. terms of your emotional yeah. and uh, f- a spiritual and, and physical investment there. But yeah, yeah it's, so. t- it's tough to see, um, you know, you, you know, some of our staff have worked very closely with individuals that have either hasn't worked out or they've, uh, you know, died or, you know, and a lot of the questions come in, you know, is, is the work that I'm doing really impacting this mm-hmm. individual? But again, it's um, there are um, there's glimmers of hope. There's individuals that do turn their life right around and, you know, they never come back to homelessness. Um, But, yeah, you got to there is we believe in the, you know, the the biopsychosocial spiritual components of the human. And um, I think you need all of it to get get in harmony with that divine strategy for your life. Um, and but it's not forced; it's available to you. And I think I've seen really good results when when somebody does tap into sure, all of yeah. it. Uh, but you know, forcing somebody to say a prayer before they get a meal. Right. I don't know. I'd probably pray whatever I need to pray to, to right. get a meal if I'm hungry <laughs> exactly. enough. Yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah. Now, one question, last question, but when you think of, this is probably a question everybody has, uh-huh. you know, when they're driving down the yeah. road and they stop yeah. or they see someone on the side <laughs> of the road yeah. and they, you know, everyone's heart it doesn't matter what it says, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the, on the piece of cardboard, yeah. um, everybody wants to like give a little bit of money yeah. or do something, but we're like, am I wasting my money? Are right. they just going to go spend this on something ridiculous? Yeah. Um, what, how, to, how are some ways we should approach yeah. that person or kind of consider that as we're sitting. Some people don't, don't look, they yeah, don't yeah. make eye contact, don't make eye contact. <laughs> right. Let me run this red light, make right. sure. Yeah. I'll um, close my eyes and pray for exactly, this individual. Yes, yeah. Not make eye contact. <laughs> yeah. um, I will tell you, uh, and this is from the mouth of a former homeless person. He shared with me that, you know, he would stand on the corner every day with a sign saying whatever. And every dollar he got from people who are being compassionate he would take and inject it right into his arms later mm. that day. And he would tell me he couldn't count how many times he overdosed and was found unconscious mm. in an alleyway. And his perspective was every one of those dollars donated could have been his last overdose. Mm. You know, so the better thing to do, in my opinion, is to not give dollars. You can um, go an extra mile and put together care packages and have sure. them in your car. Yeah. So you take a, 
a gallon Ziploc baggie, put a water bottle in it, maybe some socks and a granola bar. And, right. um, you know, and then when you're at that stop line, you pull that baggie up and say, you know, are you, are you interested in this? Yeah. Or some fresh socks or whatever. And uh, most time the individual would like it and they'll, yeah. they'll take it. And you could always say, you know, you got anything you want me to pray for you for or anything at all. Um, but for the most part, at least in our community, individuals who are on the corners are are usually housed. Hmm. Um, so I know the sign says homeless, but right, right. they're not. <laughs> um, yeah. And in Syracuse, we actually have enough shelter beds in our community to take care of everyone that's out and about on hmm. the street. So we don't have like a crisis like you know Seattle and San Francisco right. where there just isn't enough beds. So there's enough beds for everybody to come off the street. The mission provides three meals a day, 365 days a year. So um, there there has been no starvation sure, in right, Syracuse yeah. in, in probably a really long yeah. time. Um, so people are not starving. Um, but, you know, in the winter months, put extra winter hats and gloves in your car, offer yeah. those up. But I do believe when you hand somebody cash and they're in desperate situation, it's it's possible that you're, you're helping them to overdose. And right. I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. But again, I also know, you know, people make their own money and they should do whatever they want. Yeah. With it, I suppose. Yeah. It's probably a level of intentionality that you just yeah. got. Like, most of the time we sit there, find ourselves in a situation where we feel uncomfortable. Yep. We're like, no, okay. To appease my own uncomfortable, yeah. I'm just going to give this guy some money and, right. and, or, or guy or girl some money. But I, but if we really, again, we talk about like spec, the spectrum of things you can do, right? You yeah. can go and invest your, your time and your talent and your yeah. treasure in there. Or you can be a little bit intentional on, on, like you said, put a couple of, of of little bags together yeah. and say go oh, in that moment yeah i'm going to offer it to him if he doesn't want it he doesn't want it right, right. but but I, I i'm a firm believer that most of the time right. i am giving that person money to assuage my totally. own con- my own totally. i'm like i feel very uncomfortable yeah, I've been you know, yeah so yeah um, that's the nice thing about our, our new cashless society oh, like, yes, i literally yeah, don't yeah. give me no your, cat, what's your cash yeah, after? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. what i always think too i'm pretty sure like to the old uh you know wristband <laughs> adage what would jesus do i don't think he would give cash i really yeah. don't he might he might say, you know, can I get you a cup of coffee? I'll go pick it up. I'll bring it back over here for you. Yeah. It's more time. It's yeah. Yeah. inconvenient sure. for you. But I think he would go get you the cup of coffee and have a conversation. I don't yeah. think he'd there give are not, I, don't, I can't think of a story, a time where Jesus is handing out money to people, right? Yeah, it's like, right. Jesus, we only got five bucks and everyone's <laughs> asking for money. Okay, let me multiply that five bucks. <laughs> right. Everyone gets 10. <laughs> that's right. So, um, yeah, but that's, that's good. Um, okay, like I said, res, or, uh, Rescue Mission Alliance. Alliance, what, Rescue Mission Alliance. Yeah, Rescue Go check it out. Um, and now the favorite part of everybody's hmm. the podcast is personal preferences. All right. All right. So we got some questions that we want to ask you. Everything is a this or that question. Okay. Um, we have five of them. Okay. All right. So we had a big debate, and actually made <laughs> its way into some of our reviews on our on oh, no. our podcast was best chicken sandwich. So here's your choices. You can either choose Chick Fil A, Popeyes, okay. or any other one if you have a preference <laughs> on the other one. Okay. Chick-fil-A, Popeyes, or any other one. I w- Do you eat chicken sandwiches? I, I dabble. Oh. I dabble. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I would probably, I'd probably, uh, man, well, one, I would choose whichever one is making the largest donation to the rescue mission. Oh, okay. so, and I haven't seen one from either Popeyes or Chick-fil-A yet. So, well, we gotta um, get But Jim after that, now. I'd probably say... Um, you know, I'd, I'd upgrade a couple bucks and not go through the drive-thru, and I'd get some Tully's tenders. Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, okay, music. you got three choices, Bach, Beatles, or Bono. Whew, that's an easy one. Bach is too old. Beatles actually <laughs> never made any good music, so it's got to be Bono. <laughs> Like, are you like old school, like you two? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, you know Joshua Tree, Joshua stuff, Tree, yeah. Rattle and Hump. But I'll tell you, the best, best U two album is Octung Baby. Oh wow, that okay. is the best one. Um, yeah, I mean, Beatles. Are they? Are is there a more overrated band in the history of the world? I, I couldn't I tell know. you one good song. Yeah, right. I think a Yellow Submarine or something like that. But other than that, it's yeah. just terrible. But Rage, Rage Against the Machines. That's still your go. <laughs> High quality. Yeah. High quality. Um, Easy listening. That's right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, would you rather uh, watch a story in a movie form or read it in a book form? Man, I would say typically I'd say book, but 
Have you seen Lord of the Rings? I mean, you could read that, but those movies are the Peter incredible. Jackson ones, the yeah, original trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're I mean, incredible. I'm currently rereading. I was on the Lord of the Rings nerd growing up, and uh-huh. I'm rereading the books while okay. also watching the extended version, and okay. I am shocked at how well Peter Jackson represented really? the. I'm not. Sh- I'm not like. I'm just impressed, continually impressed, saying like gotcha. I cannot believe he captured all of this wow. beautiful world. That's so, good yeah. to know. See, yeah. I, like I'm sure Game of Thrones is a cool book series, right, yeah. but come on. I got I can see dragons right, flying yeah, exactly. on my television. Yeah, yeah. That's real. <laughs> but I can't I mean Lord of the Rings, no one's getting like stabbed through the heart <laughs> at the red wedding or something. Right. Yeah, so you gotta see that on TV, right? Right. <laughs> um a couple more. Uh little simple ones. Summer, fall, winter, spring. Favorite season. Fall, all yeah. day, every day. Yep. Now, are you a van, uh, like like a pumpkin spice guy or? No? Um, I I I like the pumpkin spice flavors in my pumpkin. I would I'm, I'm a black coffee drinker. Okay. I don't know, I don't know how people drink that. That it's you feels, go to Starbucks. So it's toxic. just they're squirting. It's, it's just it's so just, toxic. It's just chemicals. Pum- pumpkin yeah. toxins. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry everybody. We've had this <laughs> debate before about pumpkin spice or peppermint mocha or whatever. Um, last one. I you are a jujitsu. Practitioner, B- practitioner, uh, your blue belt is that? Uh, purple, purple, All right? Purple. Um, now jujitsu, like it's not like those other lame ones like taekwondo, where <laughs> everybody gets a belt. You can get a new belt every couple of months, yeah. right? You got actually sure do work. They've all got value. Yes, but not but, not in real life. Uh, yes, jujitsu's. Yeah, it's kind of like juju. You, the jujitsu guys are like the okay. We're like the real guys, right? You know. Yeah, so. Maybe. Um, so if this is your last question, but, okay. uh, your favorite way to tap an opponent out, is it a choke out or is it some sort of joint manipulation? Which one do you prefer? Or is that even, are those even the best categories? No, I don't even those know. I'm are, not a jujitsu guy. But those yeah. are two, um, good categories. I would, um, I would classify it more as a strangulation, but okay. yeah, I, I'm, I'm much <laughs> more of a, a strangler than, uh, and some of those joint locks are. I don't know. They're gimmicky. Yeah. I'd rather, I want to make sure somebody's sleeping. Yeah, you know? give if me they, eight if seconds if and yeah, go to they're sleep. They're sleeping. They're definitely not fighting anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know. Nice, nice. I mean, if you're working at the rescue mission, does everybody got to go through jujitsu class? I, I mean, think, come on. You know, they should. Yeah. They should. <laughs> so, uh, awesome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And. Um, you know, do both things if you're listening. Go and go to the the website and, and kind of give some money to the rescue mission. But then also rate and review this podcast and share <laughs> it with people because uh, we want more people to hear about this and the good work that the rescue mission is doing. So um, thanks for joining us. And next time, maybe Dan will be back. Maybe we have a whole new Dan Williams, it is. Or maybe we have a whole new second coast. Maybe we just <laughs> re- replace this Dan for the other one. We'll see. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.